1 Corinthians chapter 10 tonight, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31. Father, would you help us as we explore this verse and this passage? Um, Lord, I know what I believe you want me to say. I'm very easily going to get tongue-tied and not be clear. I need you to just wipe all of that out. And I need you to apply your word to our hearts directly in the way that most pleases you. And Lord, just speak to us in an unusual way tonight, we pray. Thank you for the spirit and the time of worship we've enjoyed in song already. Now, Lord, I pray that we would step up to greater heights in your word. Lord, if we don't, it won't be your fault. It won't be your word's fault. It'll be, that'll be on me. But Lord, I want to be used of you tonight. As best I know, I'm right with you, but I also know that I have a tendency to slip out of being in that position of rightness. I come short all the time, and Lord, uh, forgive me for that, and help us tonight, speak to us, and may Jesus be lifted up, for it's in his name we pray, amen and amen. The Corinthian church was fraught with all kinds of problems, like most churches, pretty much all churches today. If you look back leading up to chapter 10, Paul has already dealt with schisms, spiritual malnourishment and underdevelopment, proper use of the body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's dealt with immorality of the the most obscene kind. He's dealt with Christians suing one another, marital issues, idolatry, and issues of Christian liberty. And now in this part of the, 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 the letter, he's diving deeper into the controversy surrounding eating meat that was once a sacrifice to idols. Paul maintained that Christians were free to eat it, but he also gave instructions for not needlessly offending what he called weaker brethren in the process. And then as we get to verse 31, Paul condenses his thought with what we know as chapter 10, verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now this is not just a summary statement. It is a calculated formula for the whole of life. What Paul is, is, is doing here is he is forcing us to view everything we do in one of two categories. Is what I'm doing the means to an end? Or is what I'm doing an end in and of itself? Andy, what in the world do you mean? All right, let me try to illustrate it this way. We're about to start basketball season. Volleyball has moved through at a, what's the word for fast? Rapid doesn't seem enough. Lightning, sure. Incalculable, let's go with that. Pace. It's just gone. It won't be long before we're looking at tournament time. And before we know it, we've got to pivot, we've got to hit the brakes and change direction into basketball. 
and those that are helping with basketball and that are coaching understand that as you work on things, you are working on shooting. You are working on passing. You are working on ball handling. You are working on footwork, particularly defensively. You're working on defensive setups, man-to-man versus zone and so forth. You're working on presses and press breaks and traps and screens, and, and you've got all these things that you're, you're working on individually, rebounding and so forth, inbounds plays, slobs and blobs. That's a basketball term, by the way. We don't call our kids that. <laughs> That's baseline out of bounds and sideline out of bounds, okay? Now, why are we doing that? As much as we want to have great shooters, that's a means to an end. We want to have great passers. That's a means to an end. We want to have just solid plays and, and, and great footwork and excellent rebounding and lockdown defense. We want to have all of those things, but they are not the end. We're not going to look back on the season in which we go winless and say, yeah, but we were really great in this or this. Because what's the ultimate goal? To quote the great former coach, Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Now, is winning everything? No. Is it something? Yeah. I know from personal experience, it's more fun to win than it is to lose. Now, if you lose and you did your best, thank the Lord you did your best and you move on. But we want to give them every opportunity to get as many wins as possible. And so all of these individual things that we're doing, all of them are but means to an end. So what happens if you have, let's take Isaac for example. Let's say that Isaac has worked and worked and worked on his shot and he is without question the best shooter in all of Odax, but he can't handle the ball he can't pass he can't get up and down the court he's so out of shape how much good does that individual ability do not much because he's treated that and he doesn't do this but he's treated that as an end in of itself but it should be a means to an end so with that with that framework in mind let's take it into the spiritual realm All of us who name the name of Jesus Christ, yes, we may excel at this or this or this, but all of us have one ultimate goal, and that's to glorify our creator, Jesus Christ. The ultimate goal, the desired end, is to bring honor and glory to the Lord. Now, we are independent Baptists, and while we appreciate some of the convictions of our Presbyterian brethren, we are not Presbyterian. But there's some things they do that I like. They, they do what's called a catechism. It's a systematic question and answer in which if, if, if you're going to reach a certain level in, in, their, in their, their groups, you got to know this stuff. I think there's something to that. It should not be out of line to ask Christians to know what the Bible teaches about any given subject. 
they have what's called the short, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Listen to what it says. The question that is posed is, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. They're right. That is our chief end. That is what we're after, to glorify God and in doing so, enjoy him forever. Someone asked Johann Sebastian Bach, what he thought the purpose of music was. And you would think if anybody was an expert on music, it'd be Bach, right? I'm resisting the joke. Here's what Bach said. He said, the final final aim and reason of all music is nothing other than the glorification of God and the refreshment of the Spirit. Now, the question is, if we're going to advance this, does the Bible undergird this, that the end of man is to glorify God? Yes, it does. I could give you a bunch. Let me give you two. Psalm Psalm 145, verse 21. David says, by the way, the whole psalm, Psalm 145 is all about glorifying God. But we're going to just use one verse, verse 21. David says, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name. How long? Forever and ever. Amen. Okay. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. So the Bible certainly undergirds this sentiment. Okay. So if we can agree that our chief aim, our end, is to glorify God, then we must then use that as a prism through which we view everything that we do. Everything that comes forth in our day-to-day can only be placed in one of two categories. That which I do as a means to the end of glorifying God versus that which I do to its own end and for my pleasure alone. But let's make sure we understand that. Everything that I do either is done with the point of this is a means for me to get to the end of glorifying God, or I am doing this with God not in my thinking, it's just for my pleasure because I enjoy it. Well, Andy, are you saying that God doesn't intend for us to enjoy anything? No, far from it. It's not wrong to experience personal pleasure in what we do. God intends that experience for us. Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants us to enjoy those elements of life that are meant to be enjoyed. But when our personal experience becomes the end, Instead of the means to the end, it falls away from the ultimate goal. So with that in mind, we're going to use Paul's statement in in chapter 10, verse 31 as a template. In view, what we do asking this question is what I'm doing, does it provide a way for me to glorify God or am I just doing it because it fulfills me? Let's put it another way. And let's call this way the title. 
Is this a means or an end? Is this a means or an end? Did I pray already? I don't remember. Let's pray again. It's not going to hurt. Father, would you help me to handle this rightly, to rightly divide your word of truth. Speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Is this a means or an end? All right, so let's use the verse. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So let's begin with whether therefore you eat. If we look at that from a bird's eye view, what, what is he saying when he says, whether therefore ye eat? He's talking about that which fills us. That which fills us. Few things are as fulfilling as a good meal. I have adjusted my hours of fasting from 11 to 7 to 12 to 8. Why? Sunday nights. Last Sunday, I finished up about 7.15, well past my 7 o'clock, had nothing before the service because I don't like to eat before I preach, and so I went home hungry, hangry. So you know what I did? I went to bed. I went to bed and I dreamt about food. (laughs) I was in bed at 8.30, and I loved it. It was great. But I'm going to tell you, when I'm within those hours... Of 12 to 8, you sit down to a table, and and you just insert whatever you want. Me, it's going to be a T-bone. Not a T-bone like we had the other day, brother. No, sir. That's pretty pretty bad. We went to a restaurant together and foolishly ordered their T-bone. Not only should we have gotten our money back, they probably should have closed down after that T-bone. That's pretty bad. Oh, but I'm talking about one that I've marinated myself. I'm talking about one that I have cooked to medium, rare. Yeah. If if you like your steaks well done, I don't tell me that because I don't want to think less of you. I'm talking about medium, rare. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about a baked potato just sloshed in butter. You can keep your sour cream, by the way. I'm talking about steamed broccoli. Again, sloshed in butter. I'm talking about those yeast rolls like you get at Texas Roadhouse. Whew. And I'm going to tell you, you sit down to a meal like that, and it is fulfilling. You just have this sense of accomplishment. All the while, it's also nourishing you and it's building you. It's making you who you are. Because remember, you are what you eat, right? I want you to think about the activity that fills you. What builds you? What makes you who you are? These activities, do they grant personal fulfillment and it just ends there? Or do they provide a means to the end of bringing glory to God? Well, certainly there's some things in life that aren't meant to do that. What did Paul say? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do. That's pretty broad, isn't it? 
do all to the glory of God. Can I give you some examples? How about Bible study? Well, of course that's for the glory of God. That depends. Why are you doing it? When, when you sit down with God's word, are you studying for personal growth in a way that you can say, I know more about the Bible, I'm more schooled on the things of God, I'm smarter than my neighbor about this thing, because that does happen sometimes. Or when you sit down with God's word, are you understanding that this is a way that ultimately I bring glory to God by knowing his word more effectively? How about preaching? This, this is a tough one because it is so easy to let your mind slip as you're preparing a message. This is going to get a lot of amens here. This is going to, people are going to think I'm a good preacher with this one. People are going to, oh, this, and, and you start thinking about, you know, what's going to be said to you and the reaction you're going to get and the responses you're going to get. Listen, there's only one reason that I should ever stand behind this pulpit. And that's to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, listen, there's a whole lot of preachers out there that have forgotten that. And now it's all about how many meetings I can get and how, much, how big my honorarium can be and whether or not I can get that slot in that TV show, you know, and, you know, and hang out with folks over at TBN and all that foolishness. I'm thinking of one right now. He's completely abandoned. He's loosed his mooring so far from where he started that he's hanging out with Benny Hinn. That's a guy that's lost sight of glorifying God. How about teaching? Teachers, and I thank God for you, and we've got some great ones in this school. Why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? Now, nobody in here is going to say for the money. I know that. Why does Granite Christian Academy exist? Now, don't get me wrong. I've said it many times. I want it to be the gold standard for Christian education in Southwest Virginia. And I want us to offer everything that we can offer to give kids this well-rounded experience, to get them ready for life. And I want them to be able to go to good colleges and have good jobs. I want all of that. But all of those things are a means to an end, not the end. What's the end? The end is to glorify God. And we got a whole lot of kids that have graduated schools and gone on to college and they're making all kinds of money and God's not within a thousand miles of what they're doing. How about relationships? I want what's best for me or even what's best for the other people in this relationship. Of course I want a good marriage. Because I want to enjoy my wife and I want my wife to enjoy my husband or the other way around. Of course I want to connect with my kids because I want to be super parent. All these things are good and I'm not saying they're not. But fundamentally, the highest goal, the end of my marriage, the end of my child rearing, the end of all of those relationships that I have is ultimately that I bring glory to God. 
There's been a lot of marriages that have, that have, have, have ended because of death and people testify, oh, they loved one another and oh, they were so in love with each other and oh, you just couldn't get them apart from each other and oh, what a beautiful picture and all of that and yet there's nothing about that marriage that points to him. Then guess what? It didn't do what it was intended to do. It's intended to glorify God. By the way, if a husband and wife or a father and a mother are endeavoring to glorify God, everything else will take care of itself. How about our friendships? Is the chief aim of our friendships to glorify God? Our responsibilities, whether it's parenting or, or as an employer or whatever. I want to be the best. I want to see my kids. I want to see my workers accomplish much. That's all fine and great. But fundamentally, that's just a means to an end. The end is that it glorify God. I like Chick-fil-A as much as the next guy. But they're starting to slip a little bit. There was a time that Truett Cathy's ultimate goal was to glorify God. And as they've gotten more corporate, and they've gotten bigger, I'm nervous. What's our ultimate goal? Is this about a means to an end? Or are we already at the end? How about the gifts or the talents that God has given you? I love our special music. I thank God for it. I love our choir. Man. I'm starting to feel like, uh, what's his name up there in Brooklyn? Jim Cimbala. The Brooklyn Tabernacles packed every week. It's not that much for Jim Cimbala. It's because of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. I'm wondering if that's where we're headed. Fine. I don't care why people are here. I just want them here so they can hear the truth. I'd come to this church for the choir. If I didn't, if I didn't know, I'd come here for the choir. The preaching, I'm not so sure. But I'd come for the choir. And I love it. And be honest, choir. It makes you feel good when you're singing and people in the crowd are lifting their hands and tears are streaming. Man, that feels good. But that's not why we do it. If all we're doing is to put on a show, then let's start singing non-spiritual things, I guess. Let's start singing Marty Robbins. That's way before some of y'all. But no, our goal is that everything that fills us, that which makes us what we are, that which enriches us, that which fills us, that it bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. How about your personality traits? Some of you are blessed with a remarkable sense of humor. Thank the Lord for that. Are you using it for his glory? 
Some of you are very, very intelligent and you're able to make calculations and figure things out and and you have gifts and you're able to build things, you're able to repair things, you're able to investigate things and you're so much better at it than anybody else that I know. Are you using it for his glory? That which fills us. He says, well, therefore you eat. But then he says, or drink. That which refreshes us. Now, I realize you have to drink to live, but, but in, in our discussion, our view is refreshment. See, that, that steak dinner is great, but it's somewhat limited if you don't have your favorite, favorite allowable beverage to wash it down. We had a preacher in our home one time. No, we didn't. I did. This was my last church before I was married. I had a preacher in, him and his wife, and we ate, and I noticed that at no point in the meal did they drink anything. And they said, well, we, we learned that <laughs> they, uh, they, they were students, disciples, if you will, of Lester Roloff. And Lester Roloff told them that if you don't drink while you're eating, that you won't have acid reflux and heartburn and all of that. And so they never drank a thing the whole time they ate. That was so crazy to me because I'm just constantly washing stuff down, you know. How in the world can you enjoy this meal without your favorite beverage? It's refreshing. You ever been outside on a hot day? Oh, it's so refreshing. What refreshes you? What enhances your life's experience and brings joy? Maybe it's entertainment. Amusement is not in and of itself wrong. But think about your entertainment, your music. That's an easy one. That's a softball. Does it bring glory to God? Or does it give you a mechanism to bring glory to God? How about comedy? I've known some people, they've made it their whole Christian life without any comedy in their life at all, and I just don't understand that. A merry heart doth good like a medicine. I mean, if God dedicates space in the Bible to talk about the need for humor, then it must be important. But is humor being used to bring glory to God? It sure can be, and it should be. But if your humor, if if the use of humor is only meant to give you a laugh to get through your day with God not anywhere in view, then it's short of its purpose. It's meant to bring honor and glory to Jesus. Any kind of performance. How about about sports or the outdoors or, or things you enjoy like that? It re- it's refreshing. Uh, fellas, deer hunt season's on, hunting season's on the way. And there's something refreshing about getting out in the woods. I get it. I say, fellas, ladies too. There's plenty of ladies that hunt around here. Getting out on the boat. Getting that hook in the water. That's great. And there's no wrong in it. So long as it's a means to an end. How do I know when it's not? When it takes the place of that which we know God wants us to be doing. Nothing wrong with hunting, nothing wrong with fishing, nothing wrong with playing sports, but when it pulls you away from God and the things you're supposed to be doing, there's no way it's glorifying God then. No way. That which refreshes us. Well, here's one. How about online activity?
And it could be something as innocuous as playing a game. Now I'm going to try to excuse my online activity now. Every morning, I have, a, I have my initial Bible reading that I do. Okay? I have my initial Bible reading that I do, which is just what I do in the mornings to start my day off right. And then I read more intensively later in the day. And then sometime after that, I do two games. I do a Sudoku, and I do a, uh, like a word descrambler thing. I have a reason for it. I read somewhere years ago that those kind of games help keep your mind sharp. And honestly, that is in my thinking when I do these games. It's not just some kind of amusement. One of the greatest fears that I have, especially seeing my mom going through what she's going through, is that I'll be there one day. And if there's anything I can do to keep my mind sharp and, frankly, to keep me serving the Lord longer, I'm going to do it. That's why I'm trying to get healthy because I want my body to be able to do that too. It's a means to an end. Okay, I'm Sudoku champ of the Midwest. Who cares? But if it's helping my mind be sharp, and some would argue it's not. Y'all, just the other day, I couldn't remember what year it was. Heaven help me. I had to look it up. That kind of stuff scares me. Because if I can't remember what year it is, how long before I start misquoting Scripture and preaching heresy? So I do a Sudoku. But how much of our online activity is just mindless, self-absorbed stuff? If you're putting off a Bible verse in the morning because you want to make sure somebody reaches out to you and says, I'm so glad for your encouragement. Thank you for being, guess what? It's pointed the wrong direction. I see preachers doing it all the time. They're trying to build their little kingdom online. I don't have time for it. Personal ministries, things that start out as well-intended encouragement can become self-centered and shift the glory from God. Exercise and self-care, if they're not done for the right reasons, they can become their own end. Well, I'm staying in shape so I can be in shape. Okay, but why? Because I want to feel good. Great, why? I want to last for a while. Great, why? If it doesn't end up at because I want to be able to serve God longer and bring glory to him, then your end got ahead of the means. Now, let me give you a quick side note. And don't worry, point three is short. I hope it's understood that anything the Bible discourages cannot be claimed as acceptable if you claim God's getting glory from it. Spurgeon's a great example of this. Spurgeon famously smoked cigars. And he wasn't shy about it. A lot of the preachers of that day did. Back then, it, it wasn't the issue that it is today. They didn't know as much about it as they do now. But Spurgeon knew enough about it to know that it was addictive. And he, he had a guy preach for him, a guy by the name of Pentecost. Great Bible name. 
And this guy in Spurgeon's church behind Spurgeon's pulpit ripped into tobacco. And everybody in that church knew, well, Brother Spurgeon smokes. And so here's Spurgeon sitting over here on the side listening to this guy just kill tobacco. What does he do? After he's done, he gets up and he says, I appreciate our brother and let's go ahead and deal with what we all know. You all know that I smoke. And furthermore, I smoke to the glory of God. Spurgeon said that. And the same thing happened at his church. Everybody went, He had a magazine that he published called The Sword and the Trowel, and he got so much blowback from that that he put an article in it, and he tried to explain himself. I am afflicted with gout, among other things, and after a long day, I go home, and I sit down, and I have a cigar, and it makes me feel better, and I give God all the glory. Sorry, Mr. Spurgeon, it still doesn't quite make it. He eventually gave it up. Say, Andy, what in the world are you saying? You can't take just anything you like doing and slap God's name on it and say you're doing it for his glory and it makes it okay. All right. Well, yeah, I know I hadn't been in church in six weeks, but when I'm, when I'm hunting, I'm hunting for the glory of God. Not if it violates scripture, you're not. I'm not against hunting, y'all. Not against fishing. Not against sports. Not against any of that. I'm against anything that takes us away from God. Whether therefore you eat that which fills us, or you drink that which refreshes us, or whatsoever you do, that's anything that occupies us. That could be our employment, that could be our ministries, that could be our daily activities. Anything that you're doing needs to be done to the glory of God. So what? Whatever you're doing. Periodically, just stop. Look at it in that moment and ask this. Am I doing this for me and me alone? Or am I doing this in view of ultimately bringing God glory? Just every once in a while, do that. And you will be amazed at how often the Holy Spirit will sort through that and show you, you need to recalibrate here. You need to do this here. You need to do away with this here. Because what is the chief end of man? To bring glory to God. Everything we do, is this a means? Or sadly, is this just the end? Let's stand together.